Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. I have no idea what accent that was, but sometimes you just got to go for it. You know, sometimes sometimes you just got to throw it all out there and wonder wonder what it's going to be and that that's what we're doing today. <laughs> but um anyway, I am super excited about this episode. This is part of our kind of Ask Jay or Hey Jay series and that was inspired by um just like when I was growing up, I would read met like teen magazines I don't even remember what they were called but there would always be like an advice column um or you know just like a little like dear Sandra or whoever the person was giving advice and I just thought that'd be kind of fun to bring back I feel like we don't really have that so much anymore um and so I was like you know what we're gonna we're gonna take it back to old school so (laughs) we decided to start this kind of ask Jay series and we kind of trickle these episodes throughout um So every now and then we'll release one. So if you are just tuning into the show for the first time or are new to the podcast, that's kind of how it works. Kind of fun, kind of simple, kind of old school, but I like it and it mixes things up. It's great for doing solo shows. So in between interviews or things like that, it's just kind of like you and I hanging out and I'm answering questions that come in that I feel like I can answer. Sometimes I get questions and I'm like, Um, I feel like I need about 104 years of schooling to do that one, so we're going to (laughs) pass. But there are a lot that come in from listeners and um, people that, you know, follow me online or are part of my insider's email list. If you are not a part of that, go to jordanleedooley.com slash subscribe like yesterday and make sure you get your name on the list because every week I send out, every Wednesday for the most part, I send out... um, just additional free content, encouragement, advice, resources that you don't get anywhere else. Um, Or I'll send kind of a synopsis of what I've put out there this week um, with a, you know, bonus piece of um, content or bonus tip or piece of encouragement just to get you through the week. It's so funny to me because I always think that emails are annoying. Like I used to think they're so annoying, but I write them and my friends text me and they're like, Jay, I literally thought you were sending me like an actual email till I got to the end and realized, oh, this was like your weekly email. Like it's so personal. I sit there in my pajamas and write it to you. In those weekly emails, it is so important for me to really kind of just deliver you um, helpful content. So anyways, 
that's really key. And I love the positive feedback and the response that we get. It doesn't feel like, you know, a boring newsletter. It literally is like, I really put a lot of work into giving you value there. So if you want to hang out and be on my insiders list, be sure to go to jordanleedooley.com slash subscribe and get on the list. Um, you also get some really awesome discounts and perks and other insider things that you don't get for not being an insider. So <laughs> um, anyways, all that to say, through my email and through like my email family, my social media family, my podcast family, um, I get a lot of questions on a daily basis. And one that seemed to be recurring and one that came in was, how do you deal with difficult people and remain positive when people around you are negative? And I was like, oh, girl, <laughs> I feel you. You know, like that is such a real question and such a real struggle. And honestly, sometimes I can feel like, how do I not be a difficult person when life isn't going my way or when I'm PMSing, let's just be real, um, or, you know, when I'm exhausted or stressed out and I'm just crabby pants, you know, like, have you ever just been a crabby pants and everyone around you probably is like, please go away. <laughs> I know I can be like that sometimes. And if you're not like, good for you, sister, but I am. And because of that, I thought, how helpful would it be to not only answer this question, but also answer it from what do we do when we're a negative person or when we are being a difficult person without even necessarily meaning to. And even if it's in our most private relationships, like straight up, I'm probably not going to get on Instagram and be like a crappy pants. Right. And probably even with our small group or, you know, our group of friends, I'm going to put on a happy face and I'm going to have a good attitude. But the second we get in the car, if I'm annoyed because Matt forgot to bring the bean dip or something to our group, I'm going to be sassy about it. And that's just like not good, you know, but with some of those people that we like love the most and that we have the most unconditional love with, sometimes we can be super difficult. So also don't know why I gave the bean dip example. We never take bean dip anywhere. So that was random. But anyway, so, you know, I know that we can all be difficult people as we, you know, talk about this to remember like how to look at it from both angles. Like when you are the person dealing with someone negative and even when you are sometimes the negative person yourself. So all that to say, I wanna give you a few tips and things to think about when it comes to, you know, dealing with difficult people and conflict or just negativity, especially when you are trying to have a positive attitude about something or when it just seems to go on and on. You know, it's one thing if someone has a, frustra a frustrating moment or they're negative about a certain situation, but if it just seems to be like the ongoing experience, that sucks, you know, like that's not fun. So, um, for me, I have to remember, I think the first thing that I would tell you, the first thing that I would tell you about just dealing with difficult people and navigating those waters, dealing with negativity is tip number one, get a journal, write this down, put it in the notes section of your phone. First number one tip is stop using the word deal and start thinking about using the word love. So when you say like, how do I deal with neg negative people? Like I deal with, you know, a rash or I deal with, you know, too much on my plate or I like basically that's just like, how do you, um, it's almost like, how do you go into maintenance mode? You know, like how do you just go into maintenance mode? When I think of something I'm dealing with, it's like, it's almost like, yes, difficult people are a struggle for sure. You know, and anything I'm struggling through, I'm kind of just dealing with. And so the, di the difference though is that people aren't, you know, even if they're annoying, 
they're not just like an, a, a nuisance in our lives. Like they are people with souls. And like, how do we, even when they feel like a nuisance in our lives, how do we actually handle that well? Right. And for me, I think I constantly have to remember, like, if I'm thinking about them as something to deal with, I'm like dehumanizing them, you know, like I'm just kind of being makes me kind of a butt, you know, like I'm just dealing with you. And, you know, like I deal with my dog when he comes in with muddy paws, right? That's something I have to deal with and handle. But people like even as annoying as they can be and as frustrating, trust me, like there are difficult people. But, you know, one thing that's really helped me in that space is to remember, like, usually when people are difficult, they are coming from a place of um, pain, from a place of misunderstanding, from a place of, you know, frustration, like it's an emotional response for them. And maybe they either they don't have the maturity to respond well or handle that or know how to mask that well in the appropriate situations, or they are so hurt and they've never been trained or given strategies or they're so frustrated that they've never actually been given strategies to cope with that and handle that properly in certain situations, right? I think a lot of times we as much as there, you know, we all need to have kind of coping strategies or ways to, you know, strategically respond. Just like I said, you know, in a lot of situations, a lot of us know how to, you know, make sure we put on the positive face and be, you know, not a negative Nelly, but especially, but, but there's still those, um, those situations where we are kind of more hidden, right. And kind of our ugly can come out and our frustration can come out. And so I think you have to remember, you know, you're not a human I have to deal with. You're somebody I'm supposed to love. And that doesn't mean you have to like them. Like that doesn't mean you have to like how they're acting. That doesn't mean you have to applaud the behavior. That doesn't mean you need to affirm the behavior or love it at all. You can absolutely hate the behavior. Um, But I think in order to really first be able to handle the behavior that you're experiencing, you have to kind of like look past that a little bit and look and see into a person no matter how difficult they are and try to remember context try to remember context and also try to remember that you've been probably that difficult to someone in your life at one point or another too even if it's not so chronic for you right even if it's not so like ongoing and this person may be very consistently difficult um so I think the biggest thing first before I go into some more of the tangibles is to really shift your mindset in that way and try to cut through like if you picture you and this difficult person in your life or this person that you're dealing with or that you're experiencing frustration with, um, you know, maybe it's a difficult in-law for you, or maybe it's someone online, or maybe it's a boss or a sister or, you know, uh, the girl, your, your boyfriend's ex or something. I don't know. But there's this difficult person in your life, I'm sure, if not more than one. And, you know, you, the way I have to kind of sometimes see it, there's two ways that I have to sometimes visualize how can I remember to love this person, meaning I just don't lash out at them. I don't like make them feel bad. You know, I try to encourage them more than I cut them down. And I also don't go turn around to people and say, oh my gosh, so-and-so is just being so difficult because that's not loving them. You know, even if to their face, like I always say, if you're going to love somebody to their face, you better love them behind their back because we can be so easy. It can be so easy to love someone to their face or like kind of be nice to them to their face, but then not love them behind their back. Like you can roll their eyes at them or you roll roll your eyes at them. You can't roll their eyes. That'd be super weird. Um, (laughs) Or you can gossip about them or whatever. So remembering to love them behind their back is one thing, but 
Anyways, the two things or the two visuals that help me change my mindset. The first is if I'm really frustrated with someone, I often have to remember like, okay, if I was picturing, even if they're not in person, um, if they are standing in front of me and there's like this gap between us, right? What is filling that gap? Well, right now, technically, if I'm frustrated with them or they're being super difficult or super negative, there's like a negative energy. I almost look at it as like a block of just like a red block of just negative energy, right? And then there's the person on the other side of that block across from me. And so if I think of it like that, it's like, okay, what's really bugging me is this negative energy that's kind of kind of coming out of them and coming toward me, it feels like. And so if I can visualize it like that, when I experience that, it's like, okay, there's this disconnect, there's this frustration, there's this difficulty. And I have to remember that that is the red block. It's the thing between us. It's not actually them, right? And the other thing that's really helped me is, and that actually helps you love the person, even if you don't love their behavior or how they act, um, which just means, you know, serve them, be kind and cordial with them. That doesn't mean you have to like praise what they're doing. Um, the other thing that's helped me, my mom gave me this visual once and I'm going to share it regardless of whether or not you share my faith, you know, as a Christian for me, it's like, I often, I'll be honest, like it's annoying. (laughs) I get annoyed when people are like, just love your neighbor. And I'm like, my neighbor sucks. Like, what do you want me to do about this? Actually, my neighbors are awesome in reality, but I'm just saying like when this person is being such a jerk, it's like, no, you know, so that gets super annoying to hear. But I will say it is like a visual that's helped me. And that is my mom said, when someone is being difficult to you or they're accusing you of something or they're teasing you or they're creating drama in your life or they're making you feel bad or like whatever the thing is, it can, whenever you're at odds with someone, it can sometimes feel like, you know, that feeling when your stomach just like drops, you know that? Okay. So it kind of is like, someone is staring at you and not breaking their gaze. Have you ever had that where like someone's kind of like glaring at you and it's just this like kind of hateful or scary or like rude or mean glare, just like not breaking eye contact? Well, that's kind of what it feels like, even if that's not physically happening, when there's someone difficult or that we're in conflict with in our lives, it can like consume our minds, right? And it can feel like there's these like eyes, these beady eyes just staring at us and like this glare at us. And I was talking to my mom about a situation I experienced several months ago and I was, and she explained it to me that way. And I was like, you are so right. SOS, like, what do I do? And, um, she said, you know, you have to visualize the fact that you have power to break that glare. You don't have to keep staring back and putting so much energy into it because when we feel like someone's staring at us, what do we do? Well, we look, right? We keep looking back to see if they're still looking instead of just turning around and paying attention to something else, something more positive, something more life-giving. The person that is, you know, maybe actually at dinner with us, not the person to the to the left of us at the other table staring at us for whatever reason, right? So, she was like, you have to remember you actually have the, the strength and the ability to break the glare. You don't have to keep looking back. We just choose to because it seems to be something we want to check on. <laughs> and the second thing is she told me, which I thought was super impactful. She's like, you have to picture Jesus between you and that person. Like he's taking those eyes for you. Like the Lord is fighting on your behalf. And I picture Jesus between me and that person and he's taking the eyes for me. So I don't have to keep looking. So that's just a really helpful perspective. I know it might sound kind of like, weird and different, but that helps me actually remember and be able to love that person, even if I hate how they're acting. So really important to remember. 
And from both perspectives, if you're being difficult, think about yourself as that person that's glaring. Remember that you're not fighting for, you don't have to fight on your own behalf, which you might feel like you have to like physically or like in the tangible, but just like if you can visualize that Jesus is literally standing there taking those eyes for you, it kind of like helps you breathe a little. So that's helpful for me, no matter where you are in your faith, just a little tidbit. Second thing, um, think about your own most difficult characteristic. Okay. This is not a fun one. <laughs> you're probably like, seriously, you're not being easy about that, about this, but I'll be serious. Like, but I'll be honest, like you probably have some characteristics or some tendencies or some, you know, habits that annoy the heck out of people, right? You probably have some difficult characteristics too. Maybe you are, I'll tell you mine. You want to know mine? I'll tell you mine. I am a nitpicker. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not kidding you. A common conversation in our house is Matt looking at me saying, you're picking again because I pick. And I don't mean bugs, okay? I don't mean bugs out of his hair. I mean that I will, like, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine and dandy. Like, we'll be doing life. Everything's great. We just, like, probably had a great morning. We were super productive. And then you know what happens? I see something. I'm like, (gasps) He left a water bottle on the table. And then I see another thing and I'm like, and his socks are on the floor. And then I see another thing. I'm like, and the refrigerator door wasn't shut right. And all of a sudden, it's like my brain sees one thing that distracts me from the good that's in our lives or the experience that we've been having or whatever. And it like hyper focuses on this little thing. And then it focuses on another thing. And then you know what happens? It snowballs. And I'm like, and by the way, did you even work out today? Have you taken care of your body today? Did you fill the gas up in the car? Like, I just start picking and picking and like one little thing like I notice he left a water bottle on the table and that turns into questioning his entire day his entire motives what he's done what he hasn't do- done and I know that is like super annoying so we've gotten a lot better at it it's been something I've had to improve at but my nature is like if I see something that sets me off it's like peace out Jordan's going to be out of commission for the hour because she's going to go on a rant, picking up all this random stuff and talking about all the things that haven't gotten done and what needs to get done and asking questions. And oh my gosh, it's so bad. And I'm like, oh Lord, Lord help me. But then I'll come out of it and I'll snap out of it. And poor Matt is like, are you done? Like just berating me basically. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. You know, so that was a struggle for a long time and it's still a struggle. I mean, it's definitely gotten a lot better, but I mean, I guess he would have to answer if it's gotten better. I feel like it's gotten better. It's been something I've been much more aware of. Um, But I know that that's such a difficult characteristic of mine. Like, yes, I can be super positive. I can be super encouraging. I can be, you know, really articulate. Like, yeah, there are good things for sure. But if I'm not honest with myself and don't remember like, oh, I have a really difficult characteristic or a couple really difficult tendencies that probably annoy the heck out of him and the people I love, then... You know, I'm just fooling myself and it's not going to be easy for me to deal with difficult people because I'm in denial that I'm difficult too. So I guess the second thing that I would say is when someone's being super difficult and annoying, think about your most difficult characteristic because we can be so quick to be like, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not always that negative. Like, no, 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 no. I don't care. Like, you still have to be honest with yourself and think about that. So second thing is when you are so consumed and hyper-focused on looking at someone else's difficult characteristics or frustrated by how they're acting, even if you're handling the specific situation way more maturely, way more kindly, et cetera, et cetera, 
I think it can still be very helpful to remember like, but I have difficult characteristics too. And in different contexts, it can bother those that I love in a different way. So I have to try to give grace here a little bit. And it just helps you kind of like put it into perspective. So I guess the second tip is ultimately put it into perspective. The first is shift your mindset, stop thinking deal, start thinking love. But in order, in order to be able to do that, you need to think about your most difficult characteristic to put it into perspective. So tip number two is put it into perspective and remember that you have difficult characteristics too. Okay, now let's get into some more kind of like what action steps can I take? Like Jay, you've talked all about the mindset and the heart and the spirit and all the things, but I need to know things I can actually do. You know, I get it. I totally get it. So the first thing that I would say, and that is really, really key, and it can seem harsh, but it's really important. It is not unloving to distance yourself from someone who totally tears you down, okay? If if you are, that doesn't mean destroying their reputation. That doesn't mean dumping them completely. That, you know, it, it doesn't mean you have to hurt them by any means. But sometimes the bet, remember how I said stop thinking deal and start thinking love? You have to ask yourself, how can I best love this person? And if I am spending, I mean, again, if it's a family member, I know it can be difficult, but if you are spending a lot of energy or time entertaining the conversation or going back and forth via text message or, you know, spending a lot of time in person or like whatever, and it seems to constantly be a frustration point, chances are you're not really loving them when you're with them because you're like just trying to, or, you know, you're arguing with them or you're nitpicking with them or you're telling them what they're doing wrong or you're frustrated by them. So I guess the best thing to remember is tip number three is ultimately distance yourself, especially if that ultimately allows you to love them better. Sometimes I love someone better by saying nothing at all than trying to go back and forth or, you know, say my piece or defend myself or whatever. So I think we have to remember this again is not dump them. This is not, you know, I mean, unless it's like a really crappy boyfriend, then dump him, girl. But, um, you know, it's it's not like, OK, I'm going to destroy the relationship or I'm going to destroy your reputation and gossip about you because I'm so frustrated. Like, no, but distancing yourself and creating some boundaries and having maybe someone hold you accountable for maintaining those boundaries, especially if it's someone that you're constantly in communication with. Like, how do you create some simple boundaries Um to be able to love them well and interact with them in a healthy way when you do interact with them rather than from a place of like frustration, annoyance, anger, whatever. So, you know, if it's a coworker, let's say it's a coworker who's super negative and you typically, you know, are on the same team and have to like you have to interact with them daily. So what are the boundaries? Well, the boundaries are you don't conver- you don't converse with them outside of work. You don't entertain the thoughts of what they say and you don't talk about them with others, especially in the workplace, because that can always make it more dramatic. Right. Um, you might tell them like I when they try to talk or, you know, sit at your desk and complain, it's okay to say, hey, you know what, I really cannot have this conversation right now. Um, you know, feel free to send me an email. So you're you're changing the form of communication, which could be a simple boundary if you have to interact with them often. Um I think a really simple way is to maybe change the form of communication that doesn't demand your immediate response. So if, you know, negative Nancy walks up to your desk and she sits down and she just starts on her rant like she does every Monday because she just can't 
stand not to tell you about how difficult her kids are every weekend or like whatever. It's okay to pause the conversation without being rude and saying, hey, 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 sorry. I really totally get how frustrating that is. And I want you to be able to vent and I'm totally here to hear it. But right now I have like four things I need to get through. Can you send that to me in an email and I'll, you know, shoot your response with maybe some thoughts or encouragement. So that way she's not sitting there sucking the life out of you. You've created now a boundary and a time boundary because when someone sends me an email, that doesn't mean I need to respond in the next 24 seconds, right? So it gives you a little bit of time. And if she approaches you about it, you can even say, hey, got your email. I'm going to send over some encouragement because I know this is so hard for you. I'm going to probably send it after work if that's cool. So now you're instead, you're not trying to figure out what to say in the moment as she rambles on and on and on. And you're offering her something of value in return and you're loving her in return saying, hey, I'm going to send you some encouragement, right? And send her a funny YouTube video for all I care, like something to make her laugh, you know, like, hey, this really sucks. I know this is hard for you. You know, I hope this encourages you or makes you laugh, right? Do that every Monday, like make it your Monday thing. If you know every Monday she's going to be, you know, a crybaby about something, do that, you know? So that's just one idea, but just think about like, okay, how can I create a little bit of separation or distance, whether it's in the type of communication, the mode of communication or the frequency of, you know, interaction or whatever. So, or who I go through, like if it's an in-law, I mean, I'm not saying not, don't talk to your mother-in-law, but maybe there's some, maybe you have a difficult in-law. And so maybe your mode of communication to her or with her through this season is through your husband, right? So that there's a little bit of a barrier if that's a really toxic thing. I mean, I have to say, I personally don't know what that's like. I'm so thankful that I have healthy in-laws, but that can be a real thing. And that's something that friends have shared with me has been helpful just to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to stop communicating with you directly until we get to a healthier place or minimize the amount of time I spend doing that and actually go through, you know, my husband who's actually their son or something like that. So just something to remember. So just something to remember, how can you create some distance, some time bound barriers or some physical barriers or, you know, change the way that you communicate so that it's not so direct and it's not so exhausting for you so that when you do communicate, you are equipped to love them and you are more recharged and refilled to actually love them well because they might really suck the energy out of you. Okay. Tip number four is balance your bonds. (laughs) I know I've made that... To, to both start with B, I'm really creative. I know. No, I'm just kidding. But I did say that because I want it to be memorable for you. So if you have, you know, a difficult person in your life or a couple difficult, difficult people in your life, basically what can start to happen, and I know from experience, is it can suck up all of your mental capacity, all of your energy, all of your focus, because you constantly feel like you're problem solving, right? You constantly feel like you're trying to pour out, you're trying to conflict, you know, or resolve conflict or problem solve. And that's, stinking exhausting. And so, um, you know, I guess building off of distance yourself, you can kind of even wean yourself away from the relationship. Like if it's someone that was your best friend, but they're not going through a difficult season and you want to be there for them, but it's almost like so draining for you, you can, you know, still be there for them maybe once a week instead of talking with them every single day, just kind of back off the amount of time that you are available to them, right? How much you make yourself available is a way to simply create some distance. Um, but kind of I guess, piggybacking off of that with point number four of balancing your bonds. Basically, what I mean by that is you need to balance your social relationships or your, you know, intimate relationships. And I'm not saying like if your husband's negative to go get a more positive husband and like balance that. No. So don't take that as my advice. Um, But what I am saying is 
I was given an example, and I actually talked about this in a different episode, and I've talked about it several times online because it was that powerful for me. And so maybe this will be familiar for you. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm going to share it anyways because I think it's super effective and a really healthy tool. So basically, when you think about where you spend the most time in your social relationships, okay, if you feel like they're off balance, not even just in the quantity of people. So let's say you have two really you know, great friends and you have one friend who you've been close to since you were a kid and you guys are, you know, you've always been inseparable, but she has just become such a negative energy in your life. Even though it's technically you have two positive friends and one negative friend, your life is still unbalanced because if that person is so loud and you're investing so much time in them, the other two are, you know, basically like it's still unbalanced because you're having way more negative focus and negative energy and conflict resolution than you are positive, even if you have technically more positive people. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. (laughs) Um, I forgot you can't talk back to me on this right now. So I hope I hope that you're responding, (laughs) fist pumping in your car like, yes, girl, I get it. Or wherever you're listening. Um, okay, so the, the reason I bring that up is because when I was a freshman in college, I was being mentored by a gal. She was great. Absolutely loved her. And I was sitting there over coffee and I was telling her, I was like, I just feel like I have so many friends. It was like two months into school. So like I was just friends with anybody on my floor. And most of which, you know, was a big, huge in university, like most of which did not share my values or my beliefs or my, you know, kind of the way I live my life. So it was like, I felt like I had a ton of friends who didn't think like me, believe like me, value what I valued. And that's fine. Like I 1000% believe in not living in a bubble. Like I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to just have Christian friends because I think that's not healthy, you know? But at the same time, if I don't have any, then I'm going to really struggle in my personal faith, you know? And in the same is probably true for you. And so, you know, for me, I was like, you know, I was telling her this. I'm like, I just feel like, yes, I've made a lot of acquaintances and like I have a lot of people I hang out with, but no one that's really like sharpening me to make me better. Um, I feel like I'm often influenced to do things or encouraged to do things I probably wouldn't choose to do if it weren't for these relationships. So what do I do? Like, this seems like kind of my only option or these are the people I'm hanging out with and I don't want to just dump them, but I also know that I probably need some healthier relationships. And, you know, whenever I had heard it, like at least in church circles, it was like drop all your, you know, unhealthy friends and bad influences and like just be friends with people at church. Like that's kind of the message that came through. And I just thought that was like super unhealthy. Um, So I thought I need to find a better solution than that. And I loved her response. The way she responded was so good. And it wasn't that, which was so refreshing for me because I hate the idea of just dropping friends. I mean, they're nice people, you know, like they were fun to be around. I just couldn't spend all my time with them. And um, so she made a really good comment. She was like, okay, you have to think of your relationships as a wheel. And I was like, as a wheel? And she said, yeah. So, you know, if you think of like a bicycle wheel, if you think of the center of it, right, out from the center of it comes these spokes, right? Those like metal spokes. All those spokes are equidistant, right? They're equal in length or otherwise it's not going to be a round tire, right? It's going to be like a lopsided tire. And I was like, yes, where are you going with this? Like, this was the weirdest thing. And she goes, okay, if you think of two spokes across from each other, right? They're both coming out of the center and they're directly across from each other, across the diameter of the um, circle. And she goes, those both sides have to be equal in length in order for the wheel to turn. Well, the same is true for your relationships. And so she used these big fancy words that I'm not going to use. She said one, well, I'll use them, but then I'll explain. She was like, you know, you need to have a healthy balance of stewardship 
and fellowship. So stewardship is friend is relationships basically with people who don't think or believe like you, right? Um, maybe those who you can influence for the better or sharpen or encourage or uplift or be a good example for. And on the flip side, your fellowship is basically exactly what it sounds like, like having fellowship, having fellow comrades, right? Like having people who think more like you, who, you know, encourage you to be better, who probably influence you, who are sharpening you. And so when you can think of your relationships balanced like that, not only the amount of friends per se, but the amount of time you're spending and where your energy and your time is being invested, when you can look at it like that, you can ask yourself, are the spokes on my wheel balanced? And if you feel like I am clunky as I'm turning, like I can hardly get through the day, I'm exhausted by these conversations, you're probably not like a well balanced wheel. You're probably not turning very naturally. You probably have some misbalance in your life. And so you're probably like kind of clunky as you try to turn, right? And that's why it hurts. And that's why it's uncomfortable. And that's why every day is exhausting. And every conversation is tiresome. And so (laughs) with the wheel, the tire, I said tiresome, little pun there. Okay. You probably didn't even catch that. Ignore me. Moving on. Um, So, you know, It's true, though, having that balance in your life and and in your relationships is so, so critical because when you can start looking at them that way and say, okay, I have two friends over here who are life-giving, who are, you know, uplifting, who challenge me, who encourage me, who sharpen me, but I have this one friend over here that's sucking the life out of me. How can I create a little bit more balance in where I'm spending time so that I'm not necessarily totally dumping that friend, but she's not, you know consuming my energy and my thoughts and my mind because I have started to invest a little bit more time and energy um, and resources into building these bonds over here. That's why I say balance your bonds or balance your wheel is, is your wheel balanced? And if you feel so drained by a negative person in your life, it's, and you become negative and exhausted and tired out because of it, that's probably why. <laughs> and if you can really start paying attention to where your time is going, where your energy is going, where your focus is going, because here's the thing. And this is really key to remember. If you have a situation like that, where you have a couple of positive, great friends, um, but then you have this one super negative person in your life or just exhausting relationship, you know what starts to happen if you don't think about how you can make sure those things are balanced and the energy is healthy on both sides? What starts to happen is that negative relationship or person can start to take over your life, take over your mind, take over your focus, be so exhausting for you that even when you spend time with those more positive relationships, that negative stuff ends up spilling into that because you're bringing it there, complaining, gossiping, processing, whatever you want to call it. Like you might be seeking advice and that in moderation is okay, but it can almost be like you basically take, let's say Sally is your negative friend and Mary is your positive friend. Okay. You've just spent three hours consoling Sally or whatever. And then, you know, you're trying to balance out your time and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to coffee with Mary, whatever. I'm going to give Mary a call. Well, if you turn around and you're like talking to Mary and you're like, oh my gosh, I was just talking with Sally and it was so exhausting and da, 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 da. And she's all about this. And it's so exhausting. This happens all the time. And I'm always helping her. And you go on and on and on about how annoying it is and what you don't know what to do. And you know what you've just become? You've just become a negative difficult person in poor Mary's life. So now Mary's exhausted and it's just like this mess, right? Nobody's wheels are turning properly. So I think the thing to remember is to keep some time bound parameters on how you talk about that and how you bring that energy into those other spaces. You've almost, I would just suggest like if you're frustrated, journal about it and then, you know, try not to talk about it, talk about it with other people. And if you do talk about it with other people, can like keep it to a time bound of like the first 10 minutes or with only 10 minutes 
and try to seek an actual tangible solution or outcome or piece of advice. If it's not going there and all you're doing is talking circles around it, stop, catch yourself and switch the conversation because now like you're just bringing your negative energy along, right? So really important to keep that in mind and balance your bonds very, very intentionally, not just like, oh, I have one positive friend and one negative friend. Cool, we're balanced. No, how the time and energy that's being required of that and spent with that, um, that's what's really gonna tell you if it's balanced. So think about that. Okay, fifth tip to dealing with negative people or difficult people, trying to be a little bit more positive, is instead of pointing out, let's let's use poor Sally as an example again, um, instead of pointing out what Sally is doing that's difficult or frustrating or negative for you, encourage them in the behavior or encourage her in the behavior that you want to see. Okay, so like I was talking to someone I know not too long ago and they've been kind of talking to someone that, you know, they're thinking about dating, but their frustration is like, but they're kind of, it's it's not that they're negative, but one of the characteristics that they're not the biggest fan of is, you know, well, they're not super motivated or something like that. Like this person's really motivated and really, you know, kind of high energy. The other person's more chill, doesn't seem to have a lot of drive. And I honestly think there's some healthy kind of balance in that. But I can also see as as someone who is definitely more, you know, internally motivated very driven. It can be frustrating when you are paired with someone who maybe doesn't share that and it can be, but on the flip side, I know for someone who's definitely more chill, it can be like frustrating to be paired with someone who's super driven because you're just like, can we just chill and relax? You know, so I totally get it. It's challenged both ways. But, um, you know, with that example, my biggest encouragement was instead of being like, hey, like, do you think you could be more motivated? (laughs) Maybe the challenge is like, I love seeing when you come to life and like when you just work with a lot of drive, right? Like encouraging the behavior or the characteristics that you know they're capable of, but maybe doesn't come super natural to them and that they kind of have to be more intentional about. Just like on the flip side, Matt sometimes has to be like, Jay, I love when you rest and when you like recharge your brain. It's so life-giving to our marriage, to our relationship. And I see you thrive after you've come off a you know day of rest or whatever. So Instead of him saying, I hate that you work so much or that you just push yourself to the limits or that you don't like to rest, like that, all that does is put me on the defense, right? And it almost is going to make me more inclined to fight again. Like I'm going to do that behavior probably more, even if I don't want to, because I'm on the defense and I'm frustrated and I'm kind of like, well, I'll show you, you know? So when he instead approaches it from a place of like, I love when I see this in you and he highlights the characteristic that maybe doesn't come so naturally to me, but that I need to find more balance in, I'm like, oh, well, then I want to do that more, right? He always says like whenever we've talked about this, he's like something along the lines of like the carrot works better than the hammer, meaning like when you can reward create like positive affirmation and reward for the behavior that you want to see versus like hammering or like punishing or criticizing the behavior you don't want to see. It basically is more effective in a lot of ways because it encourages more and more of the behavior or the response or the, you know, attitude that you really like and appreciate rather than just criticizing and actually bringing more negative energy to something that you don't like to see. So just thinking of it that way, like ask yourself, is this person in my life, whether it's, you know, my husband or, um, a coworker or a friend or whatever, or even someone that's, you know, an authority, like a boss, um, you know, am I just, am I either ignoring or not saying anything at all, which isn't probably healthy because then they don't even really know what they're doing? Or am I just criticizing the behaviors I don't like to see, or I don't know what to say because I don't want to criticize the behaviors I don't want to see? I think the better thing to do, like, let's say it's a really difficult boss. Let's say he's super negative all the time. 
But let's say, you know, he made one positive remark over something and you were like, oh my gosh, what in the world? That was like one in a million. Take that as an opportunity. Send him an email or write him a letter or just depending on your relationship, like let him know like, hey, I was super encouraged to see you, you know, build up Susie at the front desk today. Like we love as your staff, we love when we get positive feedback from you or positive affirmation. It really encourages us to work harder and do our jobs better. Like something like that. Or if it's, you know, you could do that with someone else in your life in a different way. But um, I know that can be a difficult thing because you don't want to, you know, cross a boundary or be disrespectful or, you know, put the other person on the defense. But I think the problem with that mentality, if we don't have any other alternative option, is we can begin to, um, like not say anything at all, right? We And that doesn't mean they're going to like receive it and suddenly be like, oh, right, okay, I'll be positive now. Like you can't control how they respond to it, but you can control what you say and that is what's in your control and what you are able to do. So I really encourage you to do that. It can be really, really helpful. Um, again, it, it isn't always effective. I know there's some people who are just flat out difficult and that's why I say you've just got to learn to love and see past the behavior and just try to love them. Um, but doing that, you know, and handling the the difficulty in a way that's trying to put a positive spin on and focusing on even if there's only 1% of what they do that seems positive and 99% of it is negative, the 99% will totally consume and exhaust you if that's what you focus on. And it's probably not going to get you very far to highlight. So the better option might be focus on that 1%. It might be very few and far between, but encourage that because maybe 1% will turn into 2%, which could turn into 4%, which could eventually turn into 10%. And then at least 10% of the time you spend with them isn't awful, you know? So um, just it's a slow process process. Nobody just suddenly becomes less difficult overnight. I know it can be hard to deal with, but just remember that you can be difficult too. And I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but sorry about you. That's just life. Um, And try to see people through that lens a little bit more. And, you know, hopefully a couple of these strategies, both distancing yourself and creating some healthy boundaries, um, balancing your bonds a little bit more and where you're investing your time and energy and all of that, as well as, you know, considering how you're pointing out the positives in them and affirming and encouraging that behavior rather than, you know, grumbling or complaining about or criticizing the negatives. It helps you enforce the behavior you want to see and you bring a positive space to the table. But I do know it can be really hard and I do know it can be really exhausting. And maybe you've tried these things and you're like, I'm just not getting anywhere. Just know you're not the only one that has difficult people in their life. Know that it's not you. Um, even if they make it make you feel like it's you, it's usually something deeper and much bigger than you. You are not the problem. Okay. Just remember that like you are not the problem. I know it can be taken so personally, especially in those really, um, personal relationships in our lives, such as with in-laws or something like that, or those relationships that we can't really avoid, like with a boss or an, you know, manager or something. But just remember, like try to separate yourself emotionally and be like, okay, the problem is not me, even if they take it out on me. And if you can remember that, it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it go away. But I think it will hopefully help you try to separate the kind of personal knee-jerk response and hopefully be able to move and shift your energy in your eyes and remember that you don't have to stare at that glare all day long, right? You don't have to focus on all that. You can shift your energy to things that are more positive love them as you can create a little bit of emotional distance too when i said distance yourself that's not just physical or with communication it's also emotionally right so you can kind of put a little bit of a okay i have to remember i'm not the problem here hurt people hurt people and negative people who have been hurt are negative and so just try to keep that in mind i hope that's encouraging i know i know it can be so hard i'm like i wish i could just like 
give you, you know, the perfect roadmap to navigate every negative relationship in your life and every negative person, but every situation is different. So it is a little bit hard, but I guess the best thing I can say and what I hope you take away is there are a few steps that you can take. There are a couple mindset shifts you can make, but overall, if nothing else, just remember you are not the problem, but you can be an encouragement to whatever problem someone is having, but you don't have to bear that problem on your own. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.